Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is July 6th. I know I haven't been here in a while. Um, and I won't be here next week because I will be in Germany, God willing. Um, I leave Tuesday. I'll be there Tuesday to Tuesday, fly into Frankfurt. And again, I'm going to be traveling up to see all the places where my... Uh, Great, 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 grandmother, 1920, whatever generations ago, was St. Elizabeth of Hungary. And again, I've told you about this before. I mean, I only found out about 10 years ago, maybe a little more. And she's, her statue's above my high altar. And so I'm a direct descendant from her. Uh, her through her daughter Sophia on my mother's side and so I've never seen where she was born and died and uh, so we're going to go to Austria flying into Frankfurt going up to Marsburg and uh, again her chief relics are in Vienna so I'm going to go down to Vienna and um, so I'll be praying for you at all the holy spaces we will be going and I'll ask you to pray for me and my uh uh, good friend, Father Michael Kasecki, because we will be going there um, next Tuesday to the following Tuesday. So I will not be here for this next week. So for those of you new, this is the Anchored in Hope podcast uh, with Father Larry Richards, and I am Father Larry Richards. <laughs> and that sometimes is good, and that sometimes is not so good. So let's pray. And in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Great God of love and mercy, we beg you to come into our hearts and take control of our lives and be our Lord and God and Savior. Help us to seek your will and to do your will and to please you above all things. We beg you these things, Father, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good St. Joseph, pray for us. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay. So, again, uh, last week I was up in um, uh, Edmonton, Alberta. Gosh, had a fine time up there in Edmonton, Alberta. And, um, you know, the Family Life Conference, they are great, great, great people. And so uh, it's good to be back. It took me nine and a half hours to get there and 15 and a half hours to get back just on planes and then two hours to... Uh, drive up from Pittsburgh and back. So, um, but it was well worth it, very much so. I really enjoyed being with them. And so, when I've been coming back, and you know, um, all my homilies, if you haven't uh, seen, are always posted online. And when they're posted, sometimes if we're under a minute, they'll go. And we just started on TikTok. So, um, those of you who are on TikTok, I don't know much about it, but uh, it's supposed to be smaller things. So some of the homilies in that we have placed on TikTok. And, um, but with all that stuff, like when I go to, if you go to our YouTube channel, and um, it's always funny. So we have on now, we have these little shorts. And the other day, we had on there my live short let's go here on uh what day was this 
June 26th is when it was published on judging. And um, I've taken, I took most of the stuff off that was on it um, because people went crazy over, you know, and I mean, just horrendous um, names and that they called me in Jesus' name again. And I says uh, to Mo, I says, I think we should just take it off because the, it, it's one of those things that people don't even want to talk about, you know, because I talked about in that homily about, uh, again, what did Jesus say today? That's all. I mean, so what does Jesus say? And I think it's important that when we go back and I want to speak on detraction today, judging, rash judging today, and all that kind of stuff, just to make it clear. When is it allowed? When is it not allowed? When is it sinful? When is it mortally sinful, objectively? When is it uh, venially sinful? All that kind of stuff. And to really just deal with it here, because I think that sometimes um, people just do what they want to do, and they just don't follow what Jesus says, but so this is one from June 25th, so two weeks ago, and this was the gospel, and Jesus said to his disciples, so let's go to what Jesus says, and before we get into the catechism and everything else, what does Jesus say about this? So Jesus said to his disciples, the ones who follow him, stop judging that you may not be judged, for as you judge, so will you be judged. And the measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eyes, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove that splinter from your eye while the wooden beam is in your eye? You hypocrite, remove the wooden beam from your own eye first. Then you will see clearly to remove the splinter from your brother's eyes. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So here Jesus talks about not judging. Now, later, later he says, don't you know you'll be judging angels? So what do we do with these things? Uh, and God, of course, does judge. Ultimately, he judges us all. But we're not God. But we do need to be able to make the distinction, as I have made before, everybody's made it before, throughout the, the centuries, literally. We must be judging the actions of people. That is not an issue. Of course we judge actions. Of course we say that uh, abortion is murder. It's wrong to kill a baby. Of course we say having sex outside of marriage is objectively evil. Of course we say killing another person is objectively evil. Of course we say committing adultery is objectively evil. We must judge an action. That is of course we must. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. And that's not what we have issues with or what Jesus has issues with. What Jesus has issues with here and the church, as we're going to deal with in a bit, is when we're trying to judge the heart of somebody else, when we say of them that they're an evil person, when we say of them that they're... Uh, um, not going to heaven, which again, um, I can't tell you how many times that is uh, said to me on 
for my preaching. You know that, uh, you know, pagan priest I was called the other day, and uh, another one talks about, you know, why do you wear you dress? And another one talks about, you're going to one, you're going to find out when you're judged forever. And again, uh, I don't go on and I don't read my daily uh, comments. It's just when something comes up and like my Mo was saying, boy, people are really making comments about this. So then I went and I looked and I go, oh, <laughs> it's just. And so again, I don't make the judgment of their heart. I'm making the judgment of their action. And when they say mean things, I just block them because um, life is too short and if we would focus on bringing people to Jesus instead of judging each other as followers of Jesus, whether they are good or bad, if we were focusing on our own holiness instead of trying to tell everybody else isn't holy, then we would have, uh, well, the church that God calls us to. But I just think that, you know, when, when we're a disciple of Jesus, is judging each other, each other's hearts is just... Um, objectively, not what God wants, you know. And so when we we're making these judgments on our families, with our husbands, our wives, our sons, our daughters, again we can judge actions. That's why I've talked about before. You can never tell anybody they're in mortal sin. You can say that they have committed a serious uh, sin or objectively, as we're going to talk about, like the sin of detraction is objectively serious matter, and to, to do the sin of detraction would be mortally sinful, objectively. Again, we don't know if the person that's doing it is in mortal sin because we don't know where their heart is. We don't know if they have full knowledge or full consent. So again, so someone misses Mass on Sunday, and you go up to them and say, you're in mortal sin. You don't know that. You can say they committed a serious sin, but you can't judge their heart. And what that means, because remember, objectively, the church's teaching is clear. What does it take to commit mortal sin? Serious matter, so it's got to be serious. A murder, rape, adultery, missing mass on Sunday, getting drunk on purpose, uh, having sex outside of marriage, fill in the blank objectively mortal it's not like saying you know if your wife comes in and says do you look do i look fat in this dress and you go oh no honey nothing would make you look fat even if she does look big you uh that would not be uh it, it it's not uh serious matter you know it's less serious you don't want to hurt someone feeling for in about but but if you sit there and or if someone comes in and you're hiding uh for example in in the uh in Germany during the Second World War, and you're hiding Jews in a German, um, you know, Gestapo comes in and says, do you have Jews in the house? And you're saying, no, I have no Jews in the house. You could say, well, he's lying, or you're lying. Uh, yes, you are, but they don't have the right to that truth. And so when it comes to the traction and that too, to tell an unkind truth to ruin the reputation of another, uh, everybody has a right to the reputation the catechism the church teaches. And so to purposely say something about that that the other person doesn't know without uh, just cause, meaning that you're trying to, uh, like for instance, when we were, again, we'll get to this in a bit and I'll go through all that. But what I'm trying to get at now is that you need serious matter, full knowledge, full consent of the will to commit mortal sin. So it might be serious matter, you missed mass, you killed somebody, you had an abortion, whatever it happens to be. 
uh, and it's serious matter, very serious matter, and we can say objectively it's serious matter. But then you have to have full knowledge, so you cannot commit a mortal sin unless you know it's a mortal sin. So the ignorance of the law is an excuse in Catholicism. Ignorance of the law is an excuse. You need to know you're committing a mortal sin to commit a mortal sin, okay? My boys used to, when I, when I teach morals at uh, boys' school, they'd say, now, Father, why do you tell us these things? Now we can all be guilty of mortal sin because I'm still trying to save you because sin has consequences that can hurt you, besides the point. And then the third, third thing necessary to commit mortal sin is that you need to have full consent. So that means it's not a habit. That means you don't have psychological predisposition for that. That means um, you're not in, um, you know, like an alcoholic um, where you keep trying to stop and trying to stop and trying to stop. And if God would come to you and say, I'll stop this from you forever, would you let me take it from you? And you'd say yes, but in your weakness, you keep falling. That takes away from full consent of the will. So you don't know, and I don't. I know in someone's heart when they come to confession because we talk about it, but you never know what's in the heart of another human being. Sometimes we don't even know what's in our own heart. And for us to tell people um, that they're going to hell or they're evil is not of God. The Pharisees did that, and Jesus when he got to the sinners, didn't do that. But he did say that to the Pharisees. He said it to the good people. And again, as I've talked about before, when we judge actions of people, which we must, and then we automatically judge. So let's say someone's commit mortal sin uh, or a serious sin. We should want to save that person, correct? We should want to do everything in our power to get them to heaven not damn them to hell. And do you understand this? Do, can you sit there and say that you're a follower of Jesus and yet still want to condemn other people in his name? The people that Jesus died for. Can you do that with a clear conscience? And if you look at me and say, yes, I can, Father, and some of you are, then know that if you do, the next line is very, very clear. And this is where you got to just watch. So what does Jesus say to us? He tells us to not judge, that we may not be judged. But let's say you keep pushing this issue. They say, I'll judge the Pope, I'll judge the Cardinals, I'll judge everybody, I will judge them. Okay, go for it. But then Jesus says, for as you judge, you shall be judged. And the measure with which you measure will be measured back to you. Again, as I've told you before, so when people say nasty things to me or other people, uh, I just say, okay, may God, just, may God judge you forever the way you just judged me or just judged that person. And then they go nuts because we don't want to hear that. We, we want to hear, I have a right to judge, Father, and I must judge. Good. Judge. Judge. 
and judge. But know that God promises that the way you judge other people, that same way, he will judge you, right? And again, we never want to hear this, you know, uh, we want to sit there and say, no, no, I've been saved by the blood of the lamb. I am saved by Jesus Christ. Yes, you are, sir. Yes, you are, ma'am. But Jesus is the one that says this, even after he has saved us by the blood of the lamb, that we're still liable for judgment. Again, here in Matthew's gospel, just the chapter before in chapter six. So again, he's trying to establish a theme here. He teaches us the Lord's prayer. Again, and I've talked about this, but I want to put it in this context of judging today. And he says, after he says, you know, forgive us as we forgive. He says in verse 14, chapter 6 of Matthew's gospel, if you forgive others, God will forgive you. Your father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, neither will your father forgive you. And so those of you that are going to hurry up and write on here and says, nope, I've already been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. There's nothing I can do. Then you're calling Jesus a liar, and you can put it in all the context you want. Jesus, who was God, said this. And he wouldn't teach us something and then say, no, that's not the way I want it to be. Again, we got to stop doing this. When Jesus says something, we got to believe it. So he says we must forgive or if we don't forgive, we're going to be damned, right? Because if our Father won't forgive us because we won't forgive others, that means we'll be damned, okay? And if we want to judge, great, then God will judge us the same way. So if you're sitting there saying you will go to hell forever because of what you have done, you have just asked God to judge you to hell forever because of what you have done. I have committed mortal sin in my life. I bet you you have too. Whereas serious matter, full knowledge and full consent of the will. And if I just want to point out everybody else and their mortal sin and how they're going to hell, then I'm asking God to judge me the same way. Do you understand? Again, we're not talking about actions. But as often as we say this, people make no distinction. They say horrible things about others, especially on the internet. People would say things to me on the internet that they would never say to me face to face, let me tell you, because I have issues. Huh? And so the response, you know, like someone I was, uh, said something at a talk this past week uh, up in uh, Edmonton, and a woman came and said, can I see you? And I said, sure. And, uh, you know, I gave three hours worth of talks. And... She had to make sure that this one thing, which is not the way I meant it, uh, the way she took it, but she had to make sure how inappropriate it was. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't see it that way. And then I just finally says, do you feel better about yourself now? <laughs> yes, I do. I says, good, because of all the things I said, you found it in your heart that you had to come up and take issue with me because of that. Now, what she said from her thing could be objectively too. I didn't agree with her at all. Uh, and I have a right not to agree when someone criticizes me. And sometimes their criticism is uh, justified. Oh, I'm very clear uh, when that happens. But this wasn't one of those times. So why is it that we who follow Jesus see it always necessary to point out only the wrong of what other people do and not also the good. Now you can say generally, oh, I, you know, in general, I like your talking, but 
instead of like, you know, you're, you're fantastic, that, that, that. And this isn't just me. I'm mean, going all this just because it's fresh in my mind. Um, but I have an issue. Can you explain this to me, Father? Or can you explain this to me why you did that? And that's what the catechism says, that if we try to get into their mind and find out what they're doing, so we save them is the whole point. So just here, so again, so we can't judge people. But let's go in, because the way judgment is carried out is through either uh, detraction, which is telling a truth which is unkind, to ruin someone's reputation, or calumny, you know, which is gossip, which is an unfounded, we don't know if it's true or not, and we preach it. So this is in um, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, so it's the official teaching of the Church. So in 20, paragraph 2477, paragraph 2477, I just want to go through some of this, just again to make us clear and help us to do a good examination of conscience in ourselves. Am I doing God's will in my life? Because that got to be the thing for all of us, that we do God's holy will. So here, in chapter, I mean, paragraph 2477, respect for the reputation of persons forbids every attitude and word. Every attitude is in your head, in your heart, and word, what you say or write, likely to cause them unjust injury. Huh? He becomes guilty of rash judgment, it says, who even tacitly assumes as true without sufficient foundation the moral fault of your neighbor, of a neighbor. So you're not sure, but I know that person's a sinner. I know that per Come on. You don't even sure, but you do it. Rash judgment, first part. Second part of this 2477 is of detraction. Who, without objectively valid reason, discloses another's faults and failings to persons who did not know them. So you say, you want me to, let me tell you about this priest, da, 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 and you fill in the blank. Have I done this in my life? Yes, I have. And I'll bet you you have too. And so we've all sinned, but what do we got to do when we find out that we have sinned? Repent. Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be one of these people that are constantly judging my brothers and sisters. You created me to help save them, not to help judge them or condemn them. Again, as I've told you before, it says in John three seventeen, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And if God did not send his son, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God the universe cannot contain, if he didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, he sure as heck didn't send you or me to condemn the world. You got it? just so we're all clear about this. We're not better than Jesus, thank you very much. Of calumny, who by remarks contrary to the truth, harms the reputation of others and gives occasion for false judgment concerning them. So you don't know if it's true, but let me tell you about this bishop, let me tell you about this priest, let me tell you about the Pope, let me tell you, because I heard on this particular TV show or radio, or I read it in some blog that agrees with everything I say and sees the church the way I see it. Let me tell you what they said. Well, is that the fullness of what they said? No, but I know, and this is what means that guy's evil. He's the Antichrist. He's da 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 Talk about humongous judgments. But let's go on. Then we go to paragraph 2478. To avoid rash judgment, everyone should be careful to interpret in, in so far as possible his neighbor's thoughts, words, and deeds in a favorable way. 
So when it says you can't do it in a negative way, but you should try to always take and give everybody the benefit of the doubt that they do are trying their best. They're trying to do what God wants. huh? And so then it talks more there. It says every good Christian, here's a good Christian, ought to be more ready, um, ought to be more ready to give a favorable interpretation to another statement than to condemn it. But if he cannot do so, let him ask how the other one understands it. And if the latter understands it badly, let the former correct him with love. Huh? And again, if I'd even see a little bit of love for people that sit there and go against the Holy Father or cardinals or bishops or different things, even a little bit of love, I would pull back. But it's just not there. Huh? If that does not suffice, let the Christian try all suitable ways to bring the other to a correct interpretation so that he may be saved. This is from the Catechism, paragraph 2478, and it's a quote from St. Ignatius of Loyola. 2479, detraction and calumny. Destroy the reputation and honor of one's neighbor. Honor is the social witness given to human dignity. So we talk about the human dignity of every person, that they have a right to life from the moment they're conceived until natural death. Human dignity. So if we do this for people in the womb and people are dying, every person who's fully alive, any person that's alive on this earth, deserves that same right to life and to dignity, human dignity. And everyone enjoys a natural right to the honor of his name and to and reputation and to respect. Thus, detraction and calumny offend against the virtues of justice and charity. You see what the church is teaching us, that we need to be people who aren't in the world to judge other people and condemn other people, that we try to give people the benefit of the doubt. This is the teaching of the church. If you don't agree with it, you're wrong. I don't know you specifically, so I'm not making a judgment about you purposely, but I am making a judgment of actions. If you say that you know more than the church and you determine what's right and what's wrong, what the church teaches you don't agree with, then you make yourself God, which would be pride. Huh? <laughs> so today is just a day when I'm trying to explain more what I can't do in a, you know, most of my daily homilies are under two minutes. And so when I put something out there, I already know when it's like when I say it about stop judging, you're not a uh, disciple of Jesus if you're judging others. And they come back, and I know before I even say it, I always say, okay, how long will it take before someone starts going against this? And I think I took about uh, 15 comments off the one, uh, the official Father Larry page, because people were just saying horrible things. And so I thought, okay, let's just deal with this objectively as best as I can. I mean, objectively, who am I? Um, but teaching what Jesus taught, teaching what the catechism te teaches, and... I could go through a whole thing on this and break it down more. I'd encourage you to do your own studies on it because, uh, again, Bishop Barron did a thing on this about detraction. And again, when you look at, um, you know, what kind of sin detraction would be, St. Thomas Aquinas, as a matter of fact, um, in his um, Summa, 
It's interesting. So here in the Summa Theologica, he talks about, um, I answer that sins of word should be judged chiefly from intention of the speaker. So it talks about serious sin. So if it's serious when you're trying to ruin the reputation on purpose of somebody else, that would objectively be mortally sinful. So that means you have to know it. It's serious matter. You know it's serious. Father just told you, thank you, Father. And you decide I'm going to do it anyway. So that would put you in mortal sin. And again, I say this because on um, radio, TV, Catholic radio, Catholic TV, Catholic speakers, objectively, not all, of course, uh, will sometimes say things of detraction, uh, which then become mortal sins if they know it is. And so it can't be the will of God. So that's how you discern. Now, if someone, a speaker, someone else is teaching objectively about a teaching, you can do that if you do it with love. But if you make statements that the person is evil uh, and you haven't read the whole thing, if you ever say anything about the Holy Father and you haven't read the encyclicals uh, and saying what exactly he said, then that could be objectively mortally sinful. So, again, I'm just helping us that all want to do God's will. And if God is love, then we're called to be love. And again, I don't live this. I know. I'm trying. I, I, I every day sit there and say, okay, Lord, when I go in front of the blessed sacrament, I say, help me to live your will today. Use me for your glory. And then um, my sin gets in the way. Different things get in the way. But I promise you that I, I try always to speak the truth of the church, the truth of Jesus. And if someone, if I, if I say something incorrectly, if they were or you were to sit there and in love um, challenge me and say that, uh, Father, I, I get what you're saying, but because of this, 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 and this, this is not correct. But I pray for you, I love you, and I, you know, we're, all on the same, we're all on the same team. Okay, well, there you go. That's what I'm trying to do for those who are making it a habit of their life to constantly be online judging everybody who doesn't agree with them and knowing that the way you do it, God will do to you. So it's trying to save them. It's not calling anybody. Of course, I didn't call anybody out specifically. I'm only talk, teaching objectively. Okay? So, but let's keep praying for each other that we're constantly striving to do God's holy will. Got it? Get it? Going to live it? May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen. Okay. I am dying in here. So, let's, I think, we need to turn the fan on here. That'll be helpful. And I need a drink of water. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. So, now's the time for questions. So, I don't know what happened with this um, thing here. Live now, there you go. Doesn't want to do it. So anyway, if you're on the app, you're going to have to go to the YouTube because the app isn't working here. Good evening, Father and all. Father, any thoughts on the guide and contemplation and blessed are they that mourn? Again, um, I, I, I talked about this a little bit ago, but the, when you do the Beatitudes, um, 
And again, let's go to that. The thing of the morning is the morning, it's really talking about conversion of heart. And um, so it says here, and again in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be in Matthew today. Blessed are the poor in spirit because you need a humble heart to repent, right? Blessed are those who mourn, that mourns for your sins in repentance, that mourns because then you will be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek because only the humble can accept God's holy word. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for holiness. So once you've come and repented of your sins and you humble yourself before God, now you want to be holy, and you will be. And once you know the mercy of God and how God has been so merciful to you, then you want to be merciful to others. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the clean of heart, which means you see others as God sees them. Sees them. And God sees everybody with love. He judges your actions, but again, every time that God looks at you or me, he sees a beloved son or daughter. He judges our sin, but he loves us. Now, there will be a day when we're judged, but our sin will judge us now, consequences of sin, and at the end, we'll still be judged by love, the God of love, and our choices if we haven't really received the great mercy and the great uh, being saved by Jesus Christ, and it's a lot more than just saying, I have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. It's by living in the blood of the Lamb. It's a big difference. But anyway, so the blessed are the mourn are primary that we're first that we're mourning for our sins, uh, but also that when we mourn on this earth, we are um, waiting for the place where there will be no more mourning in heaven forever and ever. By God's grace. As we all know, I did a lot of mourning this past year, uh, last year, so I don't want to go back into that for a long, long time. Thanks, Chris. Good to be back. Good afternoon, Father, and all from the Washington State. I was up in, I flew into Seattle. I sat in Seattle Airport for three hours the other day, and I was in Kirkland years ago uh, giving a parish talk up there. Um, and again, we still have three missions. So those of you who are in places I haven't been before, um, look on the line and uh, we're going to be making decisions in the next two weeks, as soon as I come back from Germany, about the places I will speak at next year. So if you have uh, requests, you got to get them in this week. You got to get them in, especially for parish missions and uh, any kind of talks. You got to get them in this week because when I come back, we are going to be meeting about where I'll speak next year. Okay. Some videos of those places. Okay, that's good afternoon. People just do what they want to do and not what Jesus says. Pretty much human condition, sadly. Yes, Chris, you got that right. Enjoy Germany. I'll miss you next week when I'm in North. Western football golf outing. See you in Oktoberfest, Father. Great. I think it's uh, raining outside. Anyway, uh, Oktoberfest, the first weekend of October, uh, come. And also, I already put it out, but it's, uh, oh my, it's, uh, sign, uh, it's going very fast, sign-ups for uh, our Poland trip next September. So again, if you're interested, uh, I'm trying to limit it to one bus if I can, 45 people on that bus to all of the places in Poland will be September of 2024. So if you're interested in coming, you need to go to Select International or just put uh, uh, Poland uh, Pilgrimage, Father Larry Richards will take you to Select International and uh, 
come with us. We have a fine time. We just had a great couple that was just with me. They went with us in Germany a couple of years ago. Then they were, were with us this um, uh, in the Holy Land. And they showed up at Mass this morning. It was fantastic to see them. Fantastic. So uh, if you want to come, be part of us, please. Um, Joel A. Newman, dear Father Larry, prayers for you. May always God bless you. I'm grateful for your Bible calendar. God love you. Thank you. Miss Foisey, what's wrong with people? On a lighter note, how's Joe doing? Liking you better? No, he still likes Diane better. I was sitting there thinking the other day, I should just give this dog to Diane because, you know, he had his be with me for four days because I took, uh, I gave everybody off that Monday. And um, so they had Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday off, you know. And so Joe had to be with me for four days and he did not like it at all. You know, uh, <laughs> it just, uh, he loves Diane. That's simple as it is. Uh, he puts up with me because I'll feed him. But it is sad. I sit there and think my other dogs always really love me. So this one just doesn't. And when Diane's around, she tries to get him to like me. Go ahead, Joe. If I say, come on, we're going next door and he won't move. And she'll say, Joe, go over. Go ahead. You go next door. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, there you go. da. Carol Allen, can you explain what Pope Francis said about the Latin Mass? I think there's a lot of misunderstanding, and some people seem to need to criticize the Pope Francis. It's frustrating. He talks about the Latin Mass, and because, um, like, the Latin Mass is a great Mass. It's part of the Masses allowed in the church. It's when people start saying that that is the only Mass, or that their Mass is better. Again, we forget that in the Roman Catholic Church, in the Catholic Church, there are 24 different rites. And so everybody has a different rite. And if they would just look at that as one rite in the church, I don't think there'd be a problem. The problem is, is when they say that our, our, our rite, the Novus Ordo, no, that's not of God. No, it's not as holy. No. I mean, I had a family left my parish and they says, Father, uh, we're leaving because we want to go to the Latin Mass because I want my kids to experience holiness. And I said, the same Jesus that's on that altar is the same Jesus on my altar. And so when you think that that way is holier, that's where there's issues. And then when they start saying that the Holy Father doesn't have the right to tell them no, and so there's no humility there, that's why he says, okay, we got to stop this from becoming a movement because they're almost trying to start their own church and getting against everything after uh, uh, Vatican II. And there's a lot of stuff in there. But the Latin Mass, of course, it's been a Latin, the Church of the Mass of the Centuries. Of course, it's holy. Of course, it's a great thing. And they say that it's the, it's the, it's the Mass of the Saints of the past. It's been the Mass of the Saints of our time, too. Uh, St. Carlos, you know, in Assisi, never heard the Latin Mass, as far as I know. And yet he's still a saint. So it's when we start making those judgments again about the Holy Father and different things. I haven't read the fullness of it. I read part of it just to get the gist and his main thing was. And he said it, uh, he talked about it a couple weeks ago when he was talking to a bunch of Jesuits that it was becoming a movement of disobedience and uh, uh, that we're better than everybody else. And there's been these movements in the church for centuries, you know, and everybody thinks they're better. You know, we all think we're better than the way we do things than other people. Again, humility is necessary to follow God. 
there was a priest in our diocese that went around and when he said, uh, we can't say Latin mass anymore in parishes, it has to be at a specific thing outside of the parish. And he just went and he says, you know, I'm very upset about all this. Well, you shouldn't be if you're obedient. He says, okay, that's what the Holy Father asks, that's what I'll do. You know, so again, um, I always say read the document, don't listen to people. And everyone that you know, or everybody who has problems with him, I just tell you again, get the book um, Dare to Dream by Pope Francis. He wrote it during uh, COVID, and he deals with all the ob- uh, objections. He deals with the uh, Pachamama, and people sit there and say, and you support the Pope, he's the only one. I have priests that have, you're the only, you only follow one person on Twitter, and it's the Pope. Are you nuts? I mean, <laughs> this is from other priests. Uh, and so, uh, yes, it's, I am, exactly. So I say, read the book. If you hate the Pope and you say he hasn't answered, read the book. He talks about who's of God, who isn't of God. Read the book. Uh, again, Dare to Dream by Pope Francis. He deals with uh, dubia. He deals with all that stuff. And so he'll give you a good sense of that. So read the book. Okay. And again, for the Latin stuff, just go online and uh, just look at the document. You know, you can go to the Vatican uh, website and they'll give you all the documents, all the documents. So, uh, it'd be very good. Okay. Chris, somewhat related to today's talk, I'm scared that so many are going to hell. Jesus said the road to hell is wide and easy. So many people just want to do things their way, myself included. Can you talk to that and put some hope into it? Yes, again, I think that I, I do things my way every single day. Um, but in my heart, I want to do God's will. And that's not enough. It just isn't. If I just say, well, in my heart, I want to do God's will, but I just kept doing it my way. Every day we get up, we repent, and we just, you know, again, they talk about the saints were the ones that just didn't stay down. They kept getting up. They kept trying. They kept doing God's will. And the more that God takes control of us, and I think that's the more we pray, uh, the more God gets to take uh, control of our lives. We have to keep surrendering it um, and then do what he says. And um, I'm so, like even after I give a talk like this and then I'll sit there and I'll go, I have dinner at the cathedral tonight and I might be saying, and someone just robbed a cathedral uh, while another priest was saying mass and, uh, last Saturday. Uh, anyway, but so I could sit there and we're talking about that and I'll make a judgment of other people, you know, and say, okay, and I just talked about it today and I'll do the same thing. I hope I don't, but it could happen. So we um, just say, okay, Lord, you must increase, I must decrease. That's the, uh, the motto of uh, my classmates being made bishop up in Kalamazoo, Monsignor Ed Losey, will soon be Bishop Ed Losey up in Kalamazoo. And his motto is he must increase, you know, and that must be in our own lives from John the Baptist, of course. Remember, I believe that if I get to heaven, God found something and everyone to save and how is empty of human souls that perfectly be fine with it. You got that right. Thank you, Father. It was helpful. Father, what exactly is the Holy See? The Holy See is the, the Vatican, uh, the, uh, the Pope and the Cardinals and the, the administrative uh, element of the teaching of the, the, the church. Now, the magisterium is the Pope and the bishops, um, the Pope and the bishops uh, together. And that's why I always say that we are Catholic by following the magisterium. Not one bishop, not a few bishops who think things our way, not TVs or radios or speakers, including me, um, that say what I want to hear. 
and ag agrees with me. Because again, most of us listen to echo chambers and we like to listen to people who agree with us. But that's usually not where truth is. You know, we gotta look at what's objective truth, not what I like truth to be. That's why I always go to the scriptures and I go to the catechism. Um, sometimes people go to saints. And unless the saint is quoted like today in the catechism, I don't just follow that. Even Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas was wrong on some things, huh? The church said, especially whether it's either the Immaculate Conception or the Assumption. I forget which he didn't buy. Um, but that's okay because the saints aren't the official teachings of the church. It's always the magisterium. And the magisterium will never lead us uh, in faith and morals wrong, you know, at least as I said that, I hesitate. I'm thinking, okay, what are we doing? Uh, but that's always the, the way we can know that we're following the true teaching is by the magisterium. Okay. Yeah, I robbed a cathedral. Can you even imagine? So I have some here, things that we can do. How can I distinguish between my thoughts and inspirations and God thoughts and inspirations? Again, as I've talked about, in God's will is our peace. So usually if it gives us peace, not, uh, not just like, okay, this is what I want to do. It's like it gives you peace. And peace means oneness with God, oneness with yourself, oneness with others. Uh, it's like the pre-fall state. Um, and again, as long as it's uh, in accordance with the Scripture, like let's say you say, no, I have peace, but I want to have sex with my girlfriend. I have peace about that because I'm in love. Well, that's the wrong type of peace you're experiencing because it's going against the official teaching of the word of Jesus himself. Uh, or like, I feel that I'm called, I want to do detraction. Well, even if you have peace about that, you have to make sure it's objectively correct. So hopefully that helps. Okay. From your video on forgiveness. So this was another one. From, uh, which, if forgiveness is an act of the will, then how do we know how then how do you tell the will to forget? I'm not okay, I'm okay not forgiving. If forgiveness is an act of will, then how do you tell the will to forget? I'm okay not forgiving, it's kept me safe. Again, an act of the will means, Lord, I forgive, it has nothing to do with um, how you feel. Because feelings come and go. I mean, feelings are the last things we can use when it comes to knowing God's will and forgiving somebody. And so, but the, I'm okay with not forgiving. It's kept me safe. It won't keep you safe forever. Because again, as I read today from Jesus himself, if you refuse to forgive others, the Father will not forgive you. So you could be lost forever because you refuse to forgive. Now, again, when it comes to forgiving, it doesn't mean you let people continue to abuse you. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness sets you free so that you are no longer a victim. So you can walk away. You don't want to continue to be victimized, but you say, Lord, I forgive them. I ask you to forgive them. That's an act of the will. But you don't let them continue to hurt you. You don't let that happen. But you must forgive them because God forgave you. Think about it. When you and I sin... And we spit in the face of God on the cross and God forgives us every day. And then he asks us to do the same as he does. Again, is it easy? Nope. It might cost us our life as it did Jesus. 
But again, even again, the other day when I talked about look at the cross, this is the way Jesus deals with the the selfishness and the sin of the world. And one guy says, yeah, that's, yeah, we should all just go to the cross. Yeah, let sin have its way. When Jesus, the God of the universe, went to the cross, sin did not have its way. Well, it did, but it lost. You got to believe that God is in control of everything. He, he can't make a fool of God. Anyway, I want to, Father, but my family won't listen to me. Again, uh, you have to forgive in their, their family whether they uh, listen to you or not. It has nothing to do with what you do. You just forgive and move on. Um, what if they don't uh, forgive you, though? That happens a lot. You still just forgive, whether they forgive you or not. They're the ones that stay in bondage, not you. You get set free from them. <coughs> you tell them you're sorry and they don't accept it because some people are just arrogant, miserable human beings. Objectively. I did forgive, but I'm having a hard time with controlling the pain of the trauma my father placed on me, but I forgive him. I do, have a relation, I do not have a relationship with him anymore, though it's not healthy for me. And again, sometimes that has to happen, but always know it's his blood in your veins. So you gotta deal with that with God. And some of the best times to deal with that type of stuff is in your prayer, go back to the moments of uh, pain and go there not alone, go there with Jesus and let Jesus cover the person who's uh, hurting you with his blood. And then with the other hand, let Jesus cover you with his blood and let that be covered in the blood of the lamb then and again people are listening to this or watching this will say look at this guy's pie in the sky get over it i get it i hear you but the spiritual realities are much more real than the physical realities that's why when jesus before it like uh today in the gospel he says your sins are forgiven before he said uh, get up and walk. The greatest healing is that spiritual healing. And again, if you have no faith, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I don't expect you to agree with me. You can say something totally different. Absolutely. You don't have to agree with me if you're not a Catholic. But I ask you that you shouldn't be like, I'm not sitting there saying, you shouldn't go like, oh, you're just a, a pedophile and all that kind of stuff. Why would you say that kind of stuff? Huh? Why? Do you feel better about yourself when you do that kind of stuff? You don't have to agree, but if you're a Christian, you got to agree. If you're a Catholic, you got to agree because this is what Jesus is talking about, okay? Can you forgive them and still not want them in your life? Of course, especially if they hurt you. Of course. We will see you tonight. Praise and worship. Yes, that'll be good. When I pray the rosary, I cry lots. I wanted to ask if this is normal. What do you think? Uh, I don't think it's normal, but it could be for normal for you if you're an emotional person. Um, because some of it, there's such joy there. You know, like there was a book written before the, the uh, written by a Protestant. He says, uh, uh, what was it? Five for sorrow, uh, uh, 10 for joy, uh, or something about there's more joyful mysteries and a glorious mysteries and there is sorrowful mysteries. So, and then now we have the luminous mysteries. There's three to one of uh, joy and meditation. Father, what happened to your guardian angels when we die? Thank you, Father Gina Marie, Pennsylvania. Um, they get to rejoice with us forever in heaven, God willing. Dear Father Larry, I'm a group leader, a Catholic, and one who teaches many Hispanic prayer groups. I also 
one of your ministry partners. I find myself with a question regarding my authority in setting the captives free. I know that I have authority in the name of Jesus, but I want to be sure that I'm in line with the teachings of the church. I have encountered people who teach that, that, that I teach that are oppressed by the evil one, and some have manifested. In the early days of renewal, we would have thought nothing to pray for them and setting them free in Jesus' name. And you can, the oppressed, uh, possessed, you need an exorcist, and it takes much more, but someone oppressed you can pray over. I am confused about my authority to do so as a Catholic, do the current teaching that there needs to see an exorcist. However, an exorcist and their teams are not readily available. That's if there's a possession. A possession means that the devil, obsession, uh, you can be obsessed and not possessed. You know, obsession is... Uh, you're just obsessed and the devil it's a demonic uh, obsession over something but you're not possessed the devil isn't inside of you but if there's a possession you need a priest or they can you can get to remember what happened the people had tried that in, in the new testament and the devil beat the heck out of them <laughs> the people i encounter are practicing catholics who are suffering from oppression from the evil one strongholds anger resentment what we used to call need for inherent yes along with the condition i got spiritual warfare and cleansing someone's home from evil activity I appreciate response. Okay, again, I, uh, you have the power uh, in Jesus' name, especially with your family and other people, to help people in temptation, to help people in oppression. But if it's a true uh, possession, you need an exorcist. Okay, last one here. I want to ask a question on Father's podcast. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, I have sinned through my fault and my thoughts and what I have done, what I have failed to do. How can anyone live to this standard? I greatly fear for my future. I'm weak, I'm broken, I'm scared. Um, it's the desire to do God's will. So when we say, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, I have sinned through my own fault and my thoughts and my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. We're confessing, so it isn't living up to a standard. We're repenting. And... Again, if we try to do this ourselves, which is Pelagianism, it's a heresy in the church we've talked about many times, we need to make sure that we're doing it by the grace of God. As many times as I can tell people, it's by God's grace that we repent. It's by God's grace that we'll go to heaven. We're not Pelagianists. We're not talking about earning our salvation. We're talking about working it out in fear and tribulation as uh, fear and trembling, as St. Paul said. But it's all by grace. It's what God has done for us, not what we do for him. So once we let Jesus take control of our life that we no longer live, he lives inside of us. Now, again, it's a struggle because uh, Jesus lives inside of me. But we fight for control. Yeah. Well, he doesn't even fight. He just says, you can let me have it. Oh, yes, Lord. And I take it back five minutes later. What kind of state am I in? What kind of state are we all in? We're trying our best to do God's holy will. All of us, I'm hoping. And what we need to repent of, we repent of. And we keep moving on. That is what will get us to heaven. God's holy grace. So don't live in fear live focused on jesus not on yourself okay so we won't be here next week like i said we'll be here in two weeks god willing pray for me in germany and i'll be praying for you i uh, probably will not be uh, videotaping stuff and that over there i'll send pictures and that um because the the sites 
will be like we're going to say mass privately me and my classmate because you have to go through all kinds of stuff to say mass in other countries and all this stuff it just it's a lot of stuff so i won't be like a pilgrimage where i'm doing all that stuff so i'll be sending pictures but we won't do any probably no uh, videos okay so no i pray for you every day that i love you and i ask you to do the same for me the lord be with you may almighty god bless keep and protect you he was father and son and holy spirit Amen. God bless you. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.